Good day. Welcome to Shepherd the Sheep. Today's podcast will be a fun one as we talk about gray issues, those things in the Bible that some people think are sin, some people do not think are sin, and how to navigate them. And we will try to do this in a timely fashion, which means we won't do it well, or we'll do it well, but we'll have more to say. Gray issues. It has come. The day has come. Oh, gosh. Yeah, man, I really kind of not looking forward to this podcast. Mm, I feel you. Yeah, so it's a hot, 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 very potentially contentious issue. Uh, Somebody's going to listen to this podcast, and they're going to amen it, and that same person may, even throughout the podcast, be offended by things we say. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's not something I actually like. I don't... actually don't like offending people. Right. Yeah. yeah it's hard because um, uh, what we're talking about here is really wisdom. Yeah. And um, there there are black and white things in Christianity. And the things that are not black and white, white require much wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this That's where this gets tough. Uh, and the reality is, uh, hopefully, because I'm sure that you and I are not the only two that will talk about this in life. Um pretty sure there are people in the church who've had conversations about these issues. And so um, my beginning of the conversation, pastoral advice to you uh, on any of these issues or even some of the black and white sin issues, slow down and be way more patient than you want to be. That's true. Yeah. I actually think the worst thing we do is put lines in the sand and say, well, I told you. Yeah, because even the black and white issues, uh, it, it's part of our discipleship to to see people, you know, be renewed in their mind through the Word of God, and that takes time as well. It does take time, as a friend said. Scripture is pretty clear. Um, unfortunately, people are not, and that we muddy the issues. Mm, yep, and uh, yep, I aim in that. So gray issues uh, mm. out of the gate. Let's be very clear. Um, what are we talking about with gray issues? And the list is really long, extensive, and probably controversial. Uh, as we were kind of writing out a list, in my head I was like, yes, yes, oh, I can see people disagreeing with that one, and 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 that's why this is a tough issue. Mm-hmm. So what are gray issues? Well, we're going to define them as gray issues are those things that Christians may or may not participate in, that the text may say kind of something about, but doesn't clearly say something about. Mm-hmm. And then the question of, can we participate in said issue? Yeah. yeah so it's, it's not clearly commanded or prohibited yeah. or per- permitted. So it's the lack, there seems to be a lack of clarity, right? Yeah. Okay. And sometimes the scripture says something about the issue, right? but maybe not exhaustively. So like um, for some Christians, uh, they don't participate in Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, there's a debate about drinking, mm-hmm. uh, politics, which again, I could just hear somebody being like, no, that's black and white. If you're not a Republican, you're going to hell. Um, smoking, rated our movies, music, uh, the words we use, even sometimes cuss words, mm-hmm. uh, tattoos, gambling, the stock market, debt, uh, the foods we eat, which may not sound weird until somebody's telling you that it's sinful to eat a piece of cake because the Holy Spirit is a temple and you're oh. putting processed sugar in your body. Mm. Or you didn't you're not eating grass fed cows. So mm-hmm. yep. All these things I have experienced and seen people declare as acts of righteousness and sinfulness. I've been told that elders cannot watch rated R movies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this this can be tough. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a lot of examples. Uh we're not gonna navigate each one of those examples, because uh, that would take too much time. And I think it missed the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at the precursor, before we get into in-depth, I just want to say at the outset that at no point in this podcast are we trying to excuse away sin. Right. Okay. Our whole goal is to help people honor Jesus Christ and to live with thanksgiving following Christ. Amen. Okay. There are very clear sin issues. We're not saying everything's a gray issue. There are very black and white, thou shalt not commit adultery. Pretty clear. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. So um, envy, sin. Uh, Anger, most of the time, sinful. Right. Okay. Um, The Bible has, is very clear that some things are sinful, whether they are our motives or our actions. Mm. Right. So the gentleman or the, or the woman who is lusting after another human being who's not his spouse, the Bible says the motives are lust, and that's sin. Mm. Okay, actions can be sinful. So, um, also, so there's there's two two things that precursors. There are clearly are sin issues, and the Bible clearly says some things at the motive level and the action level are sinful. Now, the my goal in this discussion is to encourage every believer to be motivated to honor God in all that we do. Mm -hmm. Okay. So motivated by thanksgiving and praise to God, to be biblically ethical, and that it would be able to serve other people to the glory of God. Okay. Okay, so that's my goal. Okay. So like somewhere than like 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat and drink, do all things to the glory of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that... Again, there are so many verses we could use in this. That's what makes this discussion difficult, is there's a lot of verses. There's a lot to be said. There are verses that talk about this without, quote-unquote, talking about it. And in that, it makes it difficult because there are also, I've noticed in the discussion, um, the temptation for people is to maybe camp out too much on one verse while ignoring other verses. Okay. So that can be a problem, right? Because you you have to, at the end of the day, right, I want to honor each text in what it says, but I also have to realize that other texts provide more nuance, instruction, fill in holes, and provide more depth to the issue. And just uh, by example, 
the issue of divorce and remarriage, right? There are some clear texts, but there are also some other texts that are less clear that help fill in the gaps for us. Mm-hmm. And so on that issue, right, or the atonement, you know, we can go to Isaiah 52 and 53 and look at the atonement, but there are more passages that uh, a good systematic thinking through the issue would require us to address. Mm-hmm. Hebrews 9 and 10 would be a good secondary text, Isaiah 52 and 53. So then also the actual narrative of the Gospels that provides historical. So all that to say, there's a lot of text to consider. And I think it, I think as students of God who are learning him and trying to serve other people, we need to, we need to allow all of them to infuse our thinking and not what I see, give super authority to one and less authority to another. Right. That, that's what makes it difficult, I think, right? Because yes. it does require um, almost a comprehensive view or a comprehensive understanding of the entirety of God's word. Yes. So that's why there, there, patience is required. Yes. And, and like um, some level of, you know, not overreacting to an issue maybe. Yep. Uh, you have to kind of learn the issue maybe in, in that given context because even the context will change um, the, the issue. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I just, a thought came to my mind, like maybe um, certain substances that would be considered questionable for behavior. What if they're prescribed, you know? Um, Right. uh, Would that action all of a sudden become illegal or, or like not permittable or violate, uh, violate scripture. So you, you have things like that, that within a given context, could be could even just throw a monkey in the wrench, or throw throw, throw, throw a wrench in, in in the thinking. Right. Uh, I don't think you can throw a monkey into a wrench. Yeah. Um. Well. Yeah. <laughs> you should Google that phrase. Yeah. See if you messed it up. Yeah. Yeah. There's freedom if you miss that one. We. I got what you said. Um. Yeah. So my goal. Uh. I think our goal because I don't think you'll disagree with these, but I wrote these out quite a while ago, is I want all of our conscience to be clear. So I don't want people to participate in something they don't feel comfortable participating in. Right. Mm-hmm. So yep. so that's, that's why this is kind of a difficult issue, because at some level, I think some people are afraid if it's not a sin issue, that we're also asking them to participate in something. Right. Yeah, so like somebody who's like, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm an anti-alcohol person. I don't want to touch it. Mm-hmm. Um, when we say to that person, well, it's not sin to drink, sometimes that person hears you should participate, and that's not what we're saying either. Right. Yeah, yeah. so they're, they're, right, there are things that are okay to do that, right, it's totally fine if you want to be a marathon runner, but I'm not going to join you and participate in running marathons. <laughs> right. We, we can find common ground somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, just, just like debt, like, is it okay to buy a house and to go into debt for a house? Mm -hmm. Well, I think most, most Christians would say that's a safe debt to take on. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, some other people like, well, the Bible says we're not to live by debt. And I think that's like, yeah, because you become a slave. If, if your whole way of buying things is to enter into everything you own as a payment plan, you become a slave to the lender. Mm-hmm. So that, that is bad. Yes. Right. And so, you know, but to the person that, that maybe came out of like, you know, a lot of debt, 
and now you say, hey, it's probably okay to buy a home, that may be sensitive for them for a while. Mm-hmm. So we're not we're not trying to just to be clear we're not trying to push anybody to do anything that your conscience isn't clear about. Uh, but and this is the the second parts that to me this is the issue when it comes to gray issues. Um, I'm also like confessing and point blank telling people I do want your standards to be biblical. Yeah. Okay. So on the one hand, I may not show you my bourbon. On the other hand, I'm not going to cower to the weaker brother all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, my goal is to actually help the weaker brother think rightfully about the bourbon Mm -hmm. rather than pretend like the bourbon doesn't exist at all in this world and cower to the weaker brother. Mm -hmm. And that's honestly what, what I've seen. I think when it comes to gray issues, the number one thing I've seen that I think is wrong is people cowering to the weaker brother? So I, I, I get. I guess for me, the issue in that right, cowering to the weaker brother, is really a, a fear of man issue, right? Because now you're actually changing the standards yes. of God's word. Yes, and you're making his standards higher than God's standards. Yes, um, but that's different than serving him. Like, what does serving him look like? And I don't know if you'll talk about that, but uh, yeah. you know. Um, but yes, I agree with you. Um, the, the weaker brother, you know, our, our lives can't revolve around everything yeah. he thinks is, is necessarily right or wrong when it's not yeah. scriptural necessarily. Yeah, and that's because what I've seen is, well, because of the weaker brother, you just don't want to participate in these things because there are weaker brothers out there. Mm-hmm. And, and the problem is that list becomes a ranking list. And it's always funny to me what's what's left off the list and what's put on the list yep. is very indicative of these standards. And and we're going to talk about that. We're not saying we don't want to serve and love the weaker brother. Mm-hmm. We are saying that it's a both and. One, we don't want to push people to do things that are sinful. We don't want to push people to do things that violate their conscience. And we want people's conscience to be in line with scripture and biblically informed. Right. And it's the second half that unfortunately I saw a lot of guys in seminary. Well, you just stay away from those to avoid offending the weaker brother. And it's like, well, when do you inform the weaker brother? And I felt like there were guys that just would not engage that at all. No, no, you're just better off to have a no touchy policy. Mm. And it's like, okay, when, when are you going to ditch your computer? Well, I need my computer for work. Yeah. Yeah. But there are guys at home sinning on their computers. So, you know what I mean? Like some of the, like the rule centered logic behind this starts to break down really quick. Right. And that's, that's when there, this ranking system comes into play that I, that I have, I struggle with because I think I've said many times and I know people do, I know there, there are disagreement with me on this. However, the people that have disagreed me have yet to come back with the Bible and been able to prove me wrong on this. So I'm kind of being a little, strong in what I'm going to say, but I think the Bible supports me. Part of the problem with us humans is we rank sin and mm-hmm. we say these sins are worse than these sins. And Jerry Bridges wrote a whole book on respectable sins, noticing the same issue. But my question to everyone who pushes back is, okay, which one of those sins is not penalized in death? Mm-hmm. And the answer is they're all penalized in death. Yes. Some sins ripple into other people's lives in different ways, but if you've ever talked to a spouse 
who's struggling with his or her spouse because because the other spouse is so envious and bitter, it's as destructive sometimes as adultery, mm-hmm. just in a different way. So all sin can can be destructive to the community. So you know what I mean? Like that's my thing. Like all sins really equally grotesquely bad. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, it, it's a reflection. I mean, sin in general, right? I think another way we think about sin too, is that um, it, it's simply a rule that is broken, but it actually is a reflection of our belief and faith in God. And the reasons why those sins exist, exist is because we lack faith um, and we don't, we, we, and essentially we, we reject God and his authority. Therefore we take it upon ourselves to take advantage of another person or feel like we are justified in their wrath or, you know, et cetera. All the, all the respectable sins in Jerry Bridges' book, right, that people give a, get a pass on. Um, you know, lots of Christians who are, who are backbiting, who are angry all the time, who you know, th- those get a, a free pass, but not other sins, um, i.e. drinking or Halloween or which again, we would not even consider necessarily sinful. Right. Well, I mean, let's be fair. Colossians 2 talks about the sin of asceticism. And as our men talked about in the First Timothy study, First Timothy 4 talks about even that asceticism is a false gospel. Uh, but you won't hear asceticism ranked. You know, you don't You have people say, well, don't touch those things. But but rarely does people come out and say, "Hey, you got to be you got to be weary of the asceticism mm-hmm. mindset and how destructive asceticism can be." And and I think that the thing is is all of these potentially are rooted in a works based gospel, mm-hmm. and that that's the danger of gray issues is what enters into the discussion is legalism. That's a false gospel. That is a works based gospel. Now again, not saying that there's not specific sinful issues but we are not saved by doing the right thing we are saved by believing in jesus christ and then the holy spirit begins to teach us how to do the right things and i'm just to put all my cards on the table and say what what i'm going to conclude here closer to the beginning that a holy spirit empowered person can participate in some of these gray issues in a way that honors jesus christ out of thanksgiving and praise in a way that still serves other people, loves other people, and exalts Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter is, at the banquet table, there is going to be wine. Mm-hmm. So is there a way to drink wine to the glory of God? Is and it, the answer is Is yes. it non-fermented wine? No, it's fermented. <laughs> of course it is. Because yeah, actually it wouldn't be wine. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I actually reject the grape juice argument. Not, a, not actually a lot of biblical historians will promote that there's that's a highly suspect i'm not going to go down that road right now right but sorry in this road that's okay i took you there that's okay so that's my, my goal is i want your conscience to be clear i want your standards to be biblical uh i want people to realize that a failure to balance and consider both can lead to false worship and i want people to know there's some freedom in christ mm-hmm. yeah so we we've, we're talking a lot about why gray issues are tough um Here's a couple observations on why I have on that I have on why gray issues are so difficult. Okay. So 
we've, we've kind of talked about this one, so let me just go ahead and mention it. One, because our sense of justice and righteousness can be weighted with my personal preferences, mm. right? So in politics, um, you only consider a person's stance on abortion. Mm-hmm. Okay, now again, abortion is sinful. But that person is saying, okay, this is the number one issue, right? Well, where's inflation in that? Mm-hmm. And and now, right now in our culture, people are starting to see the the impact of, of inflation and why God says it's sinful to inflate your, your monetary value. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the, for the person that doesn't understand economics, can you, can you, yeah. So, elaborate? yeah. So you're, you know, what was, what was gasoline three years ago? A gallon, uh, two seventy five, three, something like that. Yeah. So what is it now? Five thirty, five fifty. at the, the gas station. Yeah. That I means your it. dollar is not as valuable as it was. Three years ago. And you're saying that wasn't the free market. That was that was something happening. Someone yes. that did something to our dollar. Yes. So that everything yes. that we own becomes less valuable. Yes. That's kind of like theft is basically yes. what you're saying. Yeah. And Amos talks about it being a false weight and a false balance. Okay. And so the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, you can find a lot on inflation because what you're doing is you're, you're altering the balances. Mm-hmm. Right? So the balance is I'm buying a pound of, of barley – um, a pound of yeast and a pound of hops and five gallons of mountain fresh spring water. Right. And I'm going to put these together and make something. And at one point in time, in order to buy those four pounds of product, three pounds of product, whatever, you know, it maybe cost me, you know, 20 gold pieces. Well, inflation makes those gold pieces less valuable. So now I'm going to have to put 30 on. So now the weights get get shifted. Well, the only people that really benefit from that are the people that control where the money goes. Because they get to direct they get to direct the money. So that's why inflation, that's why God indicts Israel's leadership for inflation. Hmm. He he basically says you you are readjusting the weight system. And who gets hurt by that? The poor person. Because the poor person's labor stays the same. Now, again, this this gets into a whole other issue where then, you know, because now you got people like, well, that's why we need more higher minimum wage. No, no. What we need to do is not inflate the dollar. Mm-hmm. However, my my point, because this, we can, get, we can really get off on a tangent here. Yep. My point is, though, that both are sinful. Abortion's sinful. Inflation's sinful. Mm-hmm. Now, again, there's somebody going, well, but abortion's more sinful. Uh, yeah. the, the penalty for both is death. Like, don't forget that. The penalty for both of those is death mm-hmm. because the people that do that are sinful and they're rejecting God and they're not, they're not following the Lord. So their actions are evidence of a sinful heart, which is evidence of rebellion against God, which is worthy of death. But the point is that we tend to wait things. So because my sense of justice and righteousness can be weighted, we will view more we'll view some things as more noble and other things as more sinful. So obviously we need to do things, these things and avoid these things. We have to do right, we have to avoid these things. Mm-hmm. So um But you're not saying it's wrong for people to prioritize certain issues, right? 
No, 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 no. Of course okay. not. Yeah, yeah. In your, but that's where I think there's freedom, right? Okay. Somebody comes to me and says, like, hey, we got some serious issues, and I'm I'm voting for X person because X person sees the same things I do and agrees down the line, even with the way I prioritize things. I mean, that's that's what it means to live in a Democrat republic. You elect that guy that represents you. Mm-hmm. So you know what I mean, like. If, if abortion was number two on his list, there's still somebody crying out. The problem with using abortion is that some people will get sucked in the debate and they're missing my point. Right. My point is the way we you should have, we should have chose two different ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because abortion is slam dunk sinful. But, yes. the, but the point still is that the way you rank them, right? right. So for some people, um, alcohol and Halloween are some of the most sinful things you can do. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, other people participating in those things are extremely sinful. However, those people are not also walking around mad at people for envy, gossip, slander, um, and other sinful activities, other sinful behavior, mm-hmm. right? They're not running around going, well, you, they're, they're vehemently against Halloween and drinking, but they are vehemently for... They're, they're, they're not, they, they almost careless or apathy towards envy, slander, gossip. Yeah. You know what I mean? And those things are like, whatever. So yeah. that's evidence of a weighted system. So now I asked the question, well, why is that? And I think, I think there's a second part and that, that is each of us are individuals who grow up in different experiences with different pasts. So for the, for the guy that gets saved out of the party life, he starts to see that the grotesqueness of that party life, and he makes a standard, and he says, okay, hey, um, this experience of mine, I don't want others to have to experience that. I don't want others to go against God in that way. And so there becomes that standard. Well, look, stay away from the party life because that's sinful, right? And so now anything that's associated with that is mm-hmm. extremely sinful to that individual. So even, right, so now that alcohol bottle is a bottle of sin. And now you got to stay away from the alcohol bottle because, well, listen, my experience tells me how destructive that is. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll hear somebody, some family members like, well, my family was destroyed by it. So uh, it's sin to use it. Mm-hmm. And that person's dug in that they're 100% correct on that. And that this is, again, where our weight system begins to be, to get exposed because again, all sin is wrong against God. Um, but these two things kind of start to come together, right? Past experiences, my experiences, things that are important to me. And so when something's important to me and it's very important to me, and there are things that stand in the way of preventing me from having those, right? Like I want to be a bodybuilder with 0.2% body fat. Well, cake and scones are going to prevent that. So those become sinful because they are, they are going to taint and prevent that goal. Mm-hmm. And the problem with people is we tend to whatever goals or things we like, we, we actually kind of evangelize those. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time when I meet people, right, most people I meet who have a hobby or different activities, they're, they're quick to evangelize their activities to others. And so we like to build communities around our hobbies 
and our convictions. And sometimes we need to realize that, that our convictions are good, but their preferences. So all that to say, this enters into the gray issue equation because we are very prone to put our standards onto other people. That, and prone enough that in the Sermon on the Mount, which Jesus probably taught hundreds of times as he traveled around the region, he just looks at people and says, do not judge. And what he's saying is he's not saying you can't have convictions and you can't point out sin in other people's lives. He's saying in that, that Matthew 7 text, listen, the standard by which you judge others, you're going to be judged. And what Jesus is pointing out there is that oftentimes, right, the roof beams coming out of our own eye, but we can see the speck in our brother because um, we notice where the other people aren't living like I'm living. And then we judge that person for not having the same convictions I have or the same preferences I have. And so what he's saying there in the judge thing is slow down on creating your own criteria and casting it onto other people. Mm -hmm. So, right. Cause you'll hear unbelievers say, well, you can't tell me I've been sin. You're not to judge. Well, that's, that's not what that's saying. It's saying he's actually confronting legalism. It's exactly, I mean, as you speak, it's exactly what happened to Israel. Um, their, their rules at Jesus's time had nothing to do with the law by that time. Right. They overreacted because of their idolatry, right? After they rebuilt the kingdom, you know, during Ezra and Nehemiah's days, they started to, from that point on, they started to create um, uh, rules that protected them from breaking the rules. And yeah. that happened generation after generation. By the time Jesus comes, the, the, the actual, the, the, you know, the actual law that they're supposed to abide by was completely different than their actual rules. And, and they missed the heart of, number one, they missed who Jesus was because I think they were so far from the law that they missed the fulfillment of the law in Christ. And they, far, they missed the heart of the law, which was love for God and love for others. Um, so much so that they were neglecting widows, they were neglecting orphans, they were not taking care of the stranger in the right way. Um, it, it misses the point of the law. And so much like these gray areas, it misses the point, right? Um, we're so sometimes we're over focused on uh, rules that are not that are extra biblical. They're rules that we created because we came from a certain past, and we don't want people to go down that same road. So we overreact and create rules to protect to protect them from the temptations that we had, when they don't necessarily struggle with those same temptations. That's right. Right. So yeah. Again, because I think at some level, and, and this is just observation of working with people. Oh, that guy's an idiot. Why is that guy an idiot? Well, because he's driving in the far right lane. Okay. Is it right? Why is that stupid? Well, because it's faster in the left lane, supposedly. It's not Vegas, but, <laughs> but it is in other. It's great in Utah, man. Those people drive. Um, but that's my criteria of the goal of driving is to get there fast. That guy in the far right lane, he may, he may not have the same criteria mm -hmm. and it doesn't make him stupid, but in my mind, that's not the way you drive. And so here I am casting my preferences onto other people, then making a, a you know, a commentary and a derogatory remark towards the individual when the reality is the guy's just got different criteria and goals. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. His goal is to stay, stay safe, stay yeah. out of the fast lane. Yeah. Just get to the next exit without dying. Yeah. 
right? So, although, although, to be fair, my goals stay safe too. <laughs> right, at right. A, at a faster speed. Right. <laughs> but but that's the point, right? That, like, oftentimes, well, what I experienced when I was a drunk um, was so bad that I just don't see any reason why other people can drink. Mm-hmm. And so then it becomes a sinful activity. And the per- what the person hasn't done is peeled back the layers and diagnosed the heart issue. Remember the very beginning, I said there's heart issues, the motivation, and then there's what we do. That person has not diagnosed the heart issue and what we do. And so in that person, they, they're, they're conflating the two things together and just saying it's all sin, almost treating, treating it as if God bottled sin and put it on a shelf. The problem with that is Mark 7 says, there's nothing that goes into the man which defiles the man. It's that which comes from out of his heart. And so when Jesus uses the word nothing, he means like nothing. So the person who says, well, alcohol is sin on a shelf, well, that nothing that goes into the man defiles the man. It's the human being's use of alcohol that can be sinful. Mm -hmm. So the drunk is a drunk at the heart level who is lusting the inebriation, the, the lack of sobriety, the feeling, and in that lust is pursuing the alcohol for, for inebriation. The alcohol at that point becomes a tool to allow the heart's lust to obtain its sinful desires. Right. Yeah. So this is part of the problem with gray issues is, right, is drinking alcohol sinful? And so you have to start to run this through the rubric. Well, what's your heart motive for drinking? Right. What? And there, there's a difference. And, and by the way, this is something else I've observed in this discussion and it's how we set the conversation up because oftentimes to the person that's saying this great issue is sinful, the person is setting up a situation where it's slam dunk, obviously sinful, Mm -hmm. but in the person's situation, they are pointing out that the motives are sinful and therefore the actions are exposing and really put it pumping steroids into the heart. Right. And so I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say something like, well, you know, like, um, I mean, some people are going to parties where at the party, they just want to like, everyone gets inebriated and there's a hookup fest and it's, and it's like, yeah, the way you just created the scenario, it's like, obviously sinful at the heart, at the heart level. Like look at the goals for why people are coming mm-hmm. to that event. Like they're, they're going that event for some kind of fleshly gratification. Yeah. Of course you just said the way you set the, and then they'll say, well, so now how do you justify drinking alcohol? And it's like, well, in that context, yeah, yeah man, in that context. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I can't justify it at all. Yeah. You know, well, it's like HBO shows, nudie shows. And so like, how can you, and it's like, well, yeah, again, the way you set up the conversation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is interesting. I don't know if this is true, but I, apparently bar culture in the U.S. and bar culture in the U.K., two different things. Yes. I mean, um, if you read up on C.S. Lewis and Tolkien, they met at a bar. Yeah. And they did, they did, they kind of, that was like the public space, I guess. Versus uh-huh. it seems like here, or at least I think that's starting to go away a little bit, but it, it seems like, you know, here it's like, it could be a drunk fest if you go to the bar or something like that. Yeah. Golden road in uh, California kind of pushes back on that because when you go there, it's actually a family place. 
And so they have food. It's a local brewery that actually I think is distributed in Las Vegas. Um, Golden Road did not pay us for this, by the way. They should. I'm going to email them, let them know I gave them. But when we went to the bar, um, you walked in, and it wasn't a bar. Like, in fact, the way it was pitched to me is, hey, let's go have lunch at Golden Road. Oh, what's, like, what is that place? Oh, it's like this cool family atmosphere place. Um, and you get there, and you're like, oh, there's like, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's also a brewery. And so when you get there, they have, like, all this, like, space in their yard and they have all these yard games and these big long wooden tables and they serve food and what they were trying to do was was create a place for locals to come down and have community right but they're intending for you to bring your kids so they're not even trying to serve people to be inebriated and kind of have the party atmosphere they're just kind of recognizing what you just said that european model of hey there's a local place you can come down you can get some food Right, you can have water, you can have a beer if you want, you know, you can and then you can fellowship with community, right? And so they all these yard games and it was I mean, still like the images in my head of pretty cool community atmosphere. Yeah. But it was also a brewery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how we set up the issue though, right? If I set up the issue, if I frame the discussion this way, okay. Oh, it's a party and everyone's going to, to gratify their desires. Well, yes, that's from the start, that's a sinful problem. But what if we try asking the question this way? Is there a way in which you can participate in this and it isn't sin? See, when you ask that question, now you can get to understanding why wine at the banquet table is not sinful. Mm-hmm. And you can see there's a noticeable difference between the banquet table and the party. And so now one is holy and righteous. The other is impure and sinful, mm-hmm. you know? So I, 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 this was early on. I learned to ask this question. Is there a way in which you can participate in this and it isn't sin? And I think a lot of people need to ask that question because if, again, if all I do is set a, set every question of sin up, with the most worst case captain obvious sinful issue, then it prevents me from thinking about it in a, in a more biblically informed way. Okay, God, why is the banquet table not sinful? One, everybody who's, who's there are believers. Two, we are all giving thanks to God. Three, we are drinking wine because it's good out of thanksgiving to, to God himself. Mm. So there you're going to have people who are spirit controlled. They're not going to be self-indulged. They're not looking to be self-indulged. Right, they they're able to control themselves. They're there to worship the Lord, to honor God, and to be thankful to God. Yeah. So at that point, right, the whole difference of watching it is is vastly. You right, it's just a vastly different motive. Right. This is this is the reason why Jesus was able to sit with like sinners and tax collectors and drunkards, and his motivation was to serve them. But the religious leaders looking in saw him as participating in evil, you know, the evil that they were doing Mm -hmm. Uh, when in reality it was the opposite. He was actually trying to help them. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, that is interesting because that is the same kind of mindset uh, that we need to have. You're basically saying, Hey, have Christ the mindset of Christ and ask the question, what should be the heart? Right. Because I I think that's the issue. It's, it's not only that our heart, um, you know, 
makes creates preferences and then tries to create standards that we want but it's that our heart actually wants to abuse every substance mm-hmm. that's right i mean like no one talks about like you know the sugar epidemic in in, in the states like everything has sugar you know what I mean? like yes like we just stopped uh i think i mean the reason why one of the reasons why we're so into like we're like sparkling water snobs is because like we wanted to get away from the soda because it's just like oh, that's a ton of sugar and it's it's like no one talks about that, but not sinful, right? Right. You know, I think, and that's, you know, Halloween. Well, but like people are dre- like Halloween was created to like warn off the like demigods, and so you know, like if we dress up, we're participating. And I, I was like, you know, why we went, why my kids did Halloween, because dressing up in costume was fun, and asking for candy was even funner. Mm-hmm. That's why my kids are participating in Halloween. Yes, if you if. The way you set that up, if I was walking out the door to go, okay, we got to warn off the demigods, like, then sure, yeah, of course. But but I got problems somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, like Harry Potter is one of those, like, oh, but magic's sinful. Okay, but you're, re- like, most people I know who've read Harry Potter realize it's make-believe. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, there's always going to be one person out there. But that's the thing. Anything and everything can be an idol. So if we start to make rules that say, hey, don't do things because it could be an idol, the reality is the, the list is infinite. Everything can be an idol. So where do you stop? Mm-hmm. You know, you, the, the better thing to do is to say, why are you participating in that event? Why are you doing what you're doing? And, you know, are you doing it out of thanksgiving to God? Are you doing it because you love Jesus Christ? Um. And me, sometimes it's like, hey, it's a freedom that God's given us and I have no problem with it. Mm. So, right, like friends that get tattoos, some people might be sinfully getting tattoos, whereas other people are like, hey, I just love tattoos and I love the art. Okay, no problem. Mm. I'm not bothered by that. Yeah. You know, whereas other people are probably sinful in, in their tattoos and maybe their piercings. But, you know, the reality is if they don't get the tattoos and piercings, that sin of whatever's compelling them to get those is going to be manifest in another way. Mm. So the person, the both people still have to, to learn to navigate self-control, a heart that wants to praise and honor God. It gives thanks and serves the Lord. And at some level, right? It's, there's some freedom in what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right. So um, I think you got to ask the question, is there a way which you can do this? And it's not set. We talked about drinking a little bit on that. But just to be fair, just to give a, a more innocuous answer, right? So um, if you're buying cars because your close friends have bought a new car and out of envy, you're buying a new car to keep up with the Joneses, right? Which mm-hmm. is where that proverb, that little American proverb comes up. Oh, just trying to keep up with the Joneses, right? That's envy and sinful. So, but is the is there a time and place where you see something a friend has and it's not envy and sinful? And the answer is yes, and it happens all the time. Oh, hey, what's that book you're reading? Oh, yeah, I picked up this D.A. Carson book on blah, blah, blah. It's really good. Oh, you know what? That's interesting to me. I'll pick one up too. Right, so there, there's basically the same situation where somebody sees something that their friend has. One is getting it out of envy, covetous to keep up this like look of standard. The other is, Oh, Hey, that's an interesting topic. I too would also like to read that. 
nobody goes to them and says, well, you shouldn't buy that book because you saw your friend reading because it's envy. Mm-hmm. Like we all recognize, right, that there's a level of discipleship that sometimes just happens through friendship. How many people drink great coffee just by being friends with other coffee drinkers who then learn that 7-Eleven and other stuff is trash and they, they, <laughs> they discover the good stuff and they end up drinking the good stuff and it's like, right, it's not out of envy or lust. It's, oh, there was a better way. Mm-hmm. So, again, I think you have to ask the question, is there a way which you can do this? And it's not sin. Yeah. Is, is, is putting a costume on sinful? No. Is... Going around a neighborhood when everyone else is going around a neighborhood asking for candy sinful. No. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's, I think one thing we have to realize too, that it, it is innate in human beings to, um, to have that kind of fear to that, that fear that you don't want to displease the Lord, you know, but, but you have to go beyond that and think further. And um, I, I feel like, uh, a lot of what I've been doing uh, recently is asking the question, well, like, I know my goal is to love people and be involved in their lives. And sometimes that requires, like, getting, you know, doing things that they like to do that necessarily, maybe I, it's not, like, on my priority list, you know? Um, so, you know, whether it's, like, you love board games, for example, a wheel of coffee, you know, for me, it's like, what can we do together so that we can honor the Lord together? Um and if it's not sinful, it doesn't violate the conscience, then it's a great thing that you can do, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just... No, you're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, hobbies are... The problem is, it's like some of these are, you know, again, smoking. Well, the body's a temple. Well, that's like D.A. Carson points out in the book, and I think in the, the Cross and Christian Ministries, right on in this, that the body's a temple is actually not talking about your personal body. Mm-hmm. It's talking about the church body. So he's talking about, right. Um, keeping the church body pure and holy. And in the context that makes more sense. Um, can smoking be sinful? Sure. Of course it could be an addiction and a craving and something that right again, if you can't be, there's no self-control. Well, why not think about that? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but if there is, then sure. Right. Like just like listening to music, uh, well, you should only listen to Christian music. Are you kidding me? Have you listened to Christian music on the radio? 80% of it's trash, mm-hmm. you know? So like, and the lyrics are no better than Led Zeppelin. So at least when I listen to Led Zeppelin, I know these are unbelievers. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes you listen to lyrics and they're not talking about anything actually harmful. A lot of times it's innocuous, a story or, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's actually not, it's a lot less about sex, drugs and rock and roll than people think it is. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, all this stuff, again, what's your heart motive? What's your goal? Um, but you kind of introduced another issue here that, that, that gets set up and, and this, this one's interesting, prefer the weaker brother. Mm-hmm. So there, the reality is that there are people in this world that just have wrong standards. And I think we've been talking about that, that the weaker brother has to grow. And this is where Romans 14 gets interesting because um, the one who eats is not to be regarded with contempt. The one who does not eat is not to regard with contempt. The one who does not eat and the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats for God has accepted him. And that that's right there. That's the 
best verse for us to follow. Mm. Right. And that, that's what we're talking about. Hey, just cause you don't feel right about it doesn't mean it's wrong for other people to do it. Why are people accepted with Jesus Christ? If we would start with that question, things would be a lot better. That person's accepted with Jesus Christ because he believes in Jesus Christ, not because he's avoiding or or partaking of the things you think he should avoid and partake in. Mm -hmm. So that right there is a huge, right? And so a lot of us, though, are fruit-oriented. Well, but the fruit of the Spirit wouldn't lead somebody to do this. And it's like, again, there is freedom in that thing. And he goes on to say in verse 4, Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand. When we stand before the Lord, our motives are going to be on display and our actions are going to be on display. So, right, again, somebody may participate with something that I'm not 100% comfortable with, but his motive may be right. And when he stands before Christ, God's not even going to bring that up to him. Mm -hmm. You know, just like somebody may participate in something that I think is good, but when he stands before the Lord, the Lord's going to say, look, yeah, you looked really good your entire life, but your motive was self-serving. Uh, yeah. And so, right, again, oh, but that guy was a stand-up guy. Well, yeah, he was a stand-up guy because he wanted the whole world to know he's a stand-up guy. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a stand-up guy because he wanted to honor the Lord. So even even in, in uh, what we see people do, we don't ever see the heart. God sees the heart. And so I do want to serve people. I do recognize, you know, let's take, again, drinking or smoking, that that makes some people uncomfortable. Well, my my goal for those people would be to love them in such a way to where I don't make them feel uneasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's like, yeah, that's okay. It's a freedom that Christians can participate in. However, for the love of this person, maybe I'm not going to bring it up. Mm-hmm. Maybe I won't expose this person or, you know, when we invite them over for dinner, I'm not going to bust out a bottle of wine and share a bottle of wine with them. Um, however, my long-term goal with that person uh, is to help that person grow to understand why alcohol is not sinful. Now, again, that brother may say, hey, because of my past, I never want to touch it. That's fine. However, you can't go down the road and call it evil because it's not evil. And that Romans... 14, 16 picks this up. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so there's this like two sides of the equation. On the one hand, I'm going to love my brother or sister by putting aside my preferences and my freedoms and the things I enjoy to serve my brother or sister. On the other hand, we are not to let these people with weaker consciences now dictate the church by their standards. Right. And that's to me the big issue. Yeah. I think that's super important because, you know, one of, at least for me, like one of the burdens as a pastor is, you know, to help people think biblically about things. And if they're not, and they go into the world, they're actually, you know, and they're living out these standards that are actually not biblical standards what are they actually doing? They're, they're misrepresenting Christ. Yep. They're, they're making a big deal about things that are actually small deal to Christ and not making the big deal, the big, you know, not making the, the main things, the main things and the little things, the little things you make all the little things, the main, the main things 
uh, the world is going to misunderstand Christianity, Jesus Christ, and what we're about. But if you focus on you know, discipling people towards who Christ is and, you know, his death and resurrection for the cancellation of sin and etern- you know, eternity with him and peace and love in, in heaven forever and ever, rather than like, you know, hey, you, you're unacceptable because of your behavior. Um, that's a different kind of ministry. So we're actually trying to make disciples who, who make disciples of Christ rather than disciples who become disciples of our preferences. That's right. Which is completely, which is, you know, a danger it is a in, danger. Christ, in Christianity if we're not careful. Because it's a works-based salvation. It's a works-based salvation. It's wrong. It's a wrong sin. And if we're saying the authority of the Bible is important, then we're actually saying that our standards should be biblical and we shouldn't look down upon people because they, they did not meet our preferences. That's right. Right. So um, part of discipleship is helping people see that so that they can please and honor the Lord rightly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And if you're seek, if you're and to me, a lot of these become non-issues because if you're seeking to serve other people, you're willing to put your preferences aside. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you're willing to set them aside and say, Hey, out of a love for you, if you're uncomfortable with this, then, then let's do something different. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if it bothers you to play a board game where, where lying is a part of the board game, then do something else. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and you know, you can get in the nuance of whether that's lying or not. Um, right. Cause there's that, there's that game, that card game that you play where, Everybody, you know, you deal. Everybody bluffing. It's not lying, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but that's the Still, game, right? Yeah. Everybody, you deal out all fifty-two cards to everyone who plays, and then you start with one, and so one person plays a one, and the next person plays a two and a three. Well, obviously, throughout the game, somebody's going to be like two sevens, and they're not going to have any sevens. Mm-hmm. And somebody's like, "I call you on that, right?" Mm-hmm. So, are they like that's that's part of the game, yes. you know? But but again, you'll hear people, "Oh, you can't play that because." See, a Christian can't play poker because you might have to bluff. Yeah. I mean, that's that's part of poker. That's right. part of the game, yeah. you know? In the, in, the, in, the, in the game of life, you're not allowed to take advantage of somebody. Right. In the game of poker, yes. it's a little bit different. That's a part of the game. It's part of the game. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so, and again, somebody's sitting there going, but poker is sinful. That's why right. it's sinful. Well, I mean, there are games where, you know, our family plays a game that's aliens-based, and... You're not, the rule says you're not, you cannot tell anybody your objective. Mm. And so somebody may scuttle the ship and tell us all, oh no, the ship's fine. It's not, everything's going to work. And at the end of the game, the ship scuttles and we all blow up and that person lived and that person won the game. Well, did they lie to us? I mean, I guess you could theoretically say that, but they're playing by the rules of the game. The rule mm-hmm. of the game says you don't have to tell people whether you did something or not. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's part of the game. And again, somebody might be like, well, you're lying. But, but to me, it's like, is this person lying to personally destroy us? Mm -hmm. Or is there a level to where like, it's like a game and it's fun and the fellowship is fun. And at the end we all laugh because the sweet, innocent person took down the ship. Yeah. I think that person didn't think hard enough about lying. Yeah. And I understand why, because you know, when you're, it's kind of like when you're a baby, Sometimes you just need to know the rules. Yep. Right. It's like, oh, lying's lying's bad, and you know, yeah, yeah. When you're when you're taking advantage of somebody in life, and 
you're bu- you're really abusing that person, and that's not a godly way to act towards somebody. Right. But if we're all having fun, and the goal is, you know, the goal is fellowship and 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 a fun time together. Yeah. And that's the objective. Then yeah. Now the the person with the bad sportsmanship, you know, yeah. <laughs> right? There's something wrong in that person's heart, right? Yes. If you can't have fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the like with anything, any other activity. There's always that heart issue. Yeah. Uh, that you have to deal with. Yeah. See, I mean, and that that's the thing too. Like seeking to deceive people is wrong. But there, but there's a party that's like, but when that's the, that's the rules of the game. Is it okay at that point? And I, I don't think, like personally, I don't think it's in sin because there's a difference between lying to somebody to deceive them and for their harm mm-hmm. and playing a game. Right. Now, again, if that game, if the repercussions of that game led to some kind of actual personal demoralizing, hurtful, then I would say yes. Then stay away from that. Mm-hmm. You know, or if you guys' conscience isn't clear, then stay away from that. You know, but the game also says you don't have to say anything, so the person can can des- can destroy the ship. And when everybody presses them, they're like, "Yeah, it's fine. I don't." You know, the game says I don't have to answer, so I'm not going to answer. Mm-hmm. But again, you can see how now everybody right. goes, well, "Wait a minute, what did you just do?" Right. So you're trying to win. So you know, I don't know. Uh, to me, a board game is not the same as living life. Right. I think most. People I know can figure that out, but there's always one person. And for that one person, maybe, hey, let's not play that game. Mm-hmm. Let's do something else. Out of a love for you, if your conscience isn't clear on that, then let's do something else. And then this is, to me, again, this is where things get complicated and sticky. Um, You know, oh, smoking is sinful. Well, okay. Well, then we'll talk about it or participate mm-hmm. around you. But, however, let's start to talk about it what you think is sin and why it's sin. Mm-hmm. And let's help you start to rethink why that's sin. You know, rated R movies are sin. Okay, well, once you think about that, you just took a world's standard because Hollywood ranks movies, not the Bible, and you just said Hollywood now gets to define the standard of righteousness as sin. Now, I actually have a problem with that, with us allowing the world to define what is righteous and true. Which is why, if you anybody, a lot of people know that I'm uh, not as against cuss words as, as some other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they're loving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's better words to pick. Um, so I tell my boys, like, yeah, pick pick words that are more respectful and loving. Mm-hmm. So they can be right. If you're, I mean, yeah, that when you're using a cuss word and you're being disrespectful, yeah, that's obviously sinful. Yes. Right. However, each of those cuss words also has a literal meaning. Mm-hmm. And at some point, those words were not sinful. They were just frowned upon by another group of people. Mm-hmm. And they became cuss words because yeah. good people don't use those words. Well, right. again, so I get it. Yep. You know, and hey, that's why I even tell have, my boys like. Yeah, we have Christian Christian cuss words. You replaced the, oh, uh, yes. you replaced the word with, you know, an innocent word. But the motive yeah. is, is you know, then, then you're like, well, you're still cussing, you know. Yes. Uh, I don't know. It's, that's where it's like it gets interesting and weird i remember like a youth leader was like you're still cussing yeah you're replacing it with a yeah like okay yeah so then the question is is an explicative because grammatically i believe it's technically an explicative or an exclamation Mm -hmm. so like you know you stub your toe and you're like oh holy wow you know like is is having this strong Exclamatory 
exclamatory remark is that is making that sinful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the question, the answer is no, it hurts. You just scream mm-hmm. something. You know, now unless could, you're cursing God. Well, exactly. <laughs> now it could be derogatory. Right. Yes. And that's again, like, you know, but you can say I love you to your spouse and your spouse rightfully is offended by what you just said. Because mm-hmm. we can I all of us can say I love you in a way that doesn't mean I love you. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah. Um I don't know. I prefer not to use those words just because I think uh it doesn't reflect um most people, it reflects a derogatory, mm-hmm. but there are people in our church that work with people that use those words all the time, and those people don't even think of them in der- as derogatory. They're just adjectives and adverbs that get thrown into everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I would definitely say, you know what, don't be that guy at work that runs around and like corrects everybody's speech. Right. Learn how to learn how to tune out. Learn how to, learn how to be the umpire on the sideline who tunes out the fans mm-hmm. and learn how to just keep on going. Um, so, yeah. Again, I recognize this is not always easy. Um, but the goal is, um, we want, you know, uh, D.A. Carson in that Crossing Christian Ministry book had an interesting scenario that he set up. And I'm going to paraphrase what he said. He said, you know, you go to a wedding and you get a, you get a glass of wine and you toast the wine. And an older couple comes up to you and says, you know, I can't believe... You are, you know, I think he used the example, an old lady comes up and says, I can't believe you're defaming Christ and setting a bad example by toasting that wine. And Carson had an interesting response to that person. He said, I want to look at that person and say, would you stop manipulating me? You've, you've walked with Christ long enough to stop manipulating. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a really good point. He's like, because what's the, what's her, what's her goal? And there, there is a, there is a, Right, a part where some people do take their standards and use it to manipulate people. And gaslighting can come in and all sorts of sinful manipulation can come in. And so Carson just is pointing out, right, like, hey, this person's walked with the Lord long enough that she should know the standards better. And she should know this is freedom. And she should she should trust my heart is not participating in this to, to be sinful. It's pretty, you know, it's pretty unloving for her to have done this mm-hmm. that is an excellent point. It was like, however, you may also go to an event where there's, you know, you, you go to an AA function where everyone's come out of uh, heavy abuse and that's their, that's their idolatry. And it's like out of love, you're going to put those preferences aside. And I think that's kind of what Paul even gets at in that first Corinthians, right? Like, you know, uh, all things to all men, but at the same token, like, why he's why does he put aside some freedoms and it's it's because he wants to love those people but carson even still says at some point you still got to go on to help this weaker brother have a biblical view and the checklist these are sinful activities these aren't sinful activities often ignores the heart while also being a works based gospel um so because well good christians don't drink mhm um, that's not the gospel. Or it's like better Christians don't drink. Yeah, that's not the gospel. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even even First Timothy 3 standards is you're not a drunkard. Yeah. That would, that would mean that if you have elders that participate in alcohol, they know how to control their alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know, you could imitate them in their alcohol drinking because you're not going to be getting drunk. You're not going to be inebriated. Your family's not going to be 
in debt based on your drinking experiences. You're not going to be spending money unwisely for your, for your alcohol, right? Your family's taken care of. And you see somebody that's able to, to raise a glass and go, thank you, Jesus, for this great day. What a wonderful day. Thanks for this amazing cup of bourbon, and I'm going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know, so because there's a difference between enjoying a glass of alcohol and shooting a glass of alcohol to get drunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that those scenarios are, are vastly different. Um, there was one other little thing. Oh, um, I think some of it too is you got to be you got to be aware. And you said this earlier, but but I want to like make it like a, a a hard fast point. You have to be aware that not everybody has the same. Um, their their bodies don't respond to the same things the way your body does. Mm-hmm. You know, so for one person, um, I mean, I you know, you get into the coffee world. And you discover that not everybody can drink caffeine. That some people, caffeine just has a very bad effect on that person. So that person says, hey, uh, it's wise for me not to participate in this. And that becomes okay. Um, So for that person, the wisdom is, hey, because of your body's side effects to that substance, stay away from it. Mm -hmm. Now, what that person might be prone to do is then to say, to make it a hard, fast rule for other people. And this, this is where we all have to be aware, right? Cause for me, like a piece of cake makes my heart race. Cause I just don't eat that much sugar. So when I do, I'm like, Oh geez, that's way too much. Well, I'm not going to make a rule that other people can't drink, can't eat a piece of cake, right? It's a piece of cake. Mm-hmm. So eat it if you want to. Um, but we all have to be aware that like, Hey, our bodies respond different to different substances and, you know, that's just in a fallen world. That's the way it is. Yeah. You know, my mom is allergic to wine. Okay. Mm-hmm. But at the banquet table, she won't be. Hey, amen. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that is the temptation. It's, you know, we, you want, it's the, um, it's the false standard that you think everyone should have. Mm-hmm. And so you feel like, you know, they're the next level of sanctification for them is for them to stop doing something. When in reality, the the goal is, um, or I think the priority is really like, how can I, um, how how can we love Christ more, grow in Him, and and focus on, uh, you know, focus on maturity, and our thinking and how we live in our service to one another in Jesus Christ, uh, rather than being like policing what other people are doing. Yeah, because policing is. Is is is, it seems to be the, the the greatest one of the greatest temptations in Christendom, like just wanting to be that police authority over people. Yep. Versus, like you know, hey, yeah, go this way, be a leader, a leader who loves and leads with with uh, by example. Yeah, the police. By the way, the policeman is um, pretty unloving. The policeman mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nobody is called to police the other people. We are called to influence each other for Christ. Mm-hmm. Yep. And There's even the elders difference. are not police officers. At some point we step in and say, hey, your your sinfulness has become so divisive that it's preventing us from walking together. So this is actually evidence that you probably don't believe the gospel and you need to leave. Mm-hmm. And when you believe the gospel and you're ready to reconcile, we will still be here ready to influence you for the gospel more. Mm-hmm. So, right. Cause w- when we ask somebody not to be come back, it's, it's not 
out of police officer. It's out of protecting the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that person's lack of repentance is evidence of a lack of salvation. And so what we're then doing is saying, hey, we are here and ready to serve you when you decide to repent and believe the gospel. By the way, those are the kind of police officers we like. Yes. Right? They're, they're, right? they're not going to like nickel and dime you to death with every single ticket. And Exactly. Like, the, hey, you know, it's like, that was a good, I like the police officer because he, he let me go this time and never rarely speed and get get caught this one time. And Yeah, I don't, I don't remember the last time I sped. <laughs> I never speed. Yeah, of course I don't but remember I just the last lie. time I drove. I just lie online. I did. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just don't remember the last time I drove oh, that's a great. That's a great issue too. Five five miles over the speed limit. Yeah, see if the police officer. Anyway, <laughs> all, all that to say, I think um, it, the reason why this is a gospel issue is what we need to what we need to do is slow down, and we need to realize that other people's motives may be right and their actions may be right too. Right, and their motives may be wrong and their actions may be right, and their motives may be wrong and their actions wrong. Mm-hmm. But sometimes our motives are right and our actions are wrong. Yep. And again, we the police officer mentality is, well, I don't want you to enter into sin. Well, look at the way Jesus led. Jesus led by continuing to teach, continuing to put himself before people, continuing to say, here's what it means to follow after God. Here's who God is. And as you become conformed into the image of God, those things start to go away because your concern is to serve and love people. That's what I'll say. The more... This is just what I'll say, like, let's let's advance. There's a part of me that doesn't think like this anymore. And I remember in seminary, this was a big thing, like the gray issues and the, the, the rules and sin and blah, blah, blah. I don't really think like this anymore. And so in some level, this stuff doesn't, like, that's, I think that's why it took so long to engage this conversation. Because at some level, I'm like, I just, this to me is such a non-issue like it was maybe 15, 20 years ago for me. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why it's a non-issue is because instead I'm focused on who are you? How do I serve you, Christ? How do I help you grow through the day? And what I've come to realize is that when you're focusing on those things and you're working with other teachable people, we, we, it kind of has a way of working itself out, mm-hmm. right? So somebody who's teachable and loves the Lord and is growing in the Lord, you just don't worry about them reading Harry Potter because you know, Right. Like, I don't know very many teachable, humble people that got halfway through Harry Potter and were like, oh, I changed my God to Voldemort. Mm. Like, it just, you know what I mean? It doesn't happen. Like, it's, you know, and so the fears of, well, if you let this person do this, then, then like, this slippery slope, that stuff all went away at some point in my thinking. And it's like, now when I navigate people who have that slippery slope mindset or that, I'm just like, I just don't want to go back to thinking like that. Like, I don't feel like, like, I feel like the things I've learned has led me away from thinking like that. Agreed. I, I think I'm with you. I think part of it is because we understand the human heart a little bit more. Yeah. I, I think as as you grow, as we grow in our understanding of God, we also grow in our understanding of man. And it's really, um, it's it's worship is not, you know, all the, the millions of things that we do wrong. It's the core is what is our heart wanting yep. at, at, any sing, at any given moment? And like what's leading it, and so I feel like as pastors we're we're, we're more concerned on, on on like what is in front of our heart or what is our heart chasing after, yeah. like what's the big picture it's chasing after, and, and hopefully we're putting Christ in front of people enough so that 
their desire changes from like how can i satisfy my every whatever lust to gosh christ is he is treasure and um there's much more satisfaction here than what i can get out of the world right and that's a long that's a long-term kind of goal or a long-term those are long-term um yeah, it's a long-term goal. They're not short-term results. You can get short-term results with, with policing, but long-term uh, worship change is like daily repenting and changing our mind about who God is. Yep. Yeah. Well, I even see like, you see as people grow, they enjoy the fellowship with one another. And you ask yourself like, is it, you know, they're all sitting there drinking coffee together. All They're all having a beer together. Is it the beer that they're enjoying or is it the people in the fellowship and the atmosphere? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'll actually even go a step further for me personally. If I had a bad day, I'm not coming home and drinking a, a glass of bourbon mm-hmm. to, because I think again, there are some people that are drinking and their goal is to mask their sin. Their, their is to, is to numb their pain. Mm-hmm. I think that's sinful reason for drinking. But after a great day, you come home and you're like, hey, honey, it was a great day. Here, we're making these steaks together. Let's open a glass of wine and be thankful for the day. And you, you, you tip that wine, right? And you, you clinky, clinky. And you go, hey, God, thank you for this wonderful day, for the day off, for this great day that the family had together. And we're finishing it with this wonderful meal that the Lord has provided and this glass of wine that accompanies the steak very well. Mm-hmm. Amen. You know, and so there, to me, that's that's the right heart motive. And again, what is it that we are celebrating together as a family? Is it the wine? No, it's the family and God's blessing, and we're thankful to that. And so what I found is when you're thankful to the Lord for the gospel, the things you do, you're not doing them out of like, uh, or, oh, look at what I can get now. You're doing it because you love Jesus Christ. That, that's a really good thing you said, by the way. The police thing may have short-term results, but it often ends up turning into manipulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ramil said that once too, where he was like, I just, you know, in, in working with somebody who was trying to like always put forth these short-term rules, Ramil's like, I just feel like I can't go back to thinking like that. I don't want to go back to thinking like that. It was exhausting. And it is exhausting. It's It's atrocious to think like that because you're so worried about everybody else's actions and motives. Whereas what if I just served you, loved you and presented Christ to you and let, let the Holy spirit do what the Holy spirit does Mm -hmm. so much more freeing and relaxing. Um, the reality is people who have the Holy spirit in them. And this probably is worthy of a whole conversation. People who have the Holy spirit in them who are doing things sinfully will come. will at some point go, Ooh, I need to change the way I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. And that that's the beauty of it is Holy Spirit filled people, they get convicted of sin and then they come forward and say, okay, I need to deal with this. Yeah. And that's what the spirit does. The spirit is amazing at leading people to repentance and restoration and growth in Jesus Christ. And so I think you keep putting this where to the person that wants to walk around and be concerned about everybody's hobbies and their gray issues. Yes. Obviously pornography is sin. Yes. Obviously there are, there are sinful hobbies. However, um, put Christ before people, love people, engage people, and walk with people, and they're, they're right. You're going to find that that approach is actually a better approach, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. 
It's free. It's more free. It is. You know what I mean? Like yeah. rules. That's not the gospel. It's like enjoy Christ. Yes. And bring people along for that ride. Yeah. We can. What if we enjoyed Christ together? Yeah. Yeah. Then you're raising whatever you're drinking. It's, hey, we enjoy Christ. So we're going to have this great cup of coffee, not Starbucks. <laughs> and uh, we're going to enjoy it. And the coffee just made the experience better. Yeah. Not Starbucks. Yeah. For, the guy, for the guy that works for Starbucks, we, we love you, brother. Yeah, it's true. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know what? Uh, again, Ecclesiastes, yes. thank the Lord for the job and what it puts on your table. Amen. Yep. And hey, pays the bills, pays the bills. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's not sin to work for Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, might be sin to go work at a strip club, though. Right. Yeah. For probably 50 reasons. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm. I mean, obviously, there, there's a degree to where, yeah, that becomes an issue. But what... What we didn't talk about, and again, this is why it gets harder, is that second degree of separation that often accompanies this as well. Yeah. Which is pretty, uh, in my mind, Ramil said it best, second degree of separation has the appearance of discernment, but is actually lacking discernment. I like I like that we can just throw Ramil's name in there when we don't want to quote our own. So. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just get Ramil in trouble. Yeah. Well, I'm going to get him in trouble. Yeah. So... Uh, cause he said this, I've concluded yeah. that engaging in cancel culture, even within the church is toxic and borderline sinful mm. interacting with those who have now, this was in the context of, um, reading an author that somebody else maybe didn't care for. Mm-hmm. So he said, interacting with those who have great valid ideas, even if they have weird views on some areas is not sinful adopting their erroneous views into one's conviction is what can be sinful, but that's when you're supposed to test the spirits, right? I think the second degree of separation approach actually weakens rather than strengthens discernment. And it propagates the horrendous guilt by association mindset that our culture is now so sadly at weaponizing. And that, that, that is where this gray issue thing kind of gets into play too, because some people say, well, I can't go there because I've got to stay free above sin. Well, or, you know, well, you're friends with so-and-so and so-and-so did this, so therefore you're guilt by association. The problem with that is, again, go back to go back to what Paul says in Romans 14. Why are you accepted by God? Mm-hmm. And it is for your faith in Jesus Christ. And that's why all of this is, is evidence. This issue would not exist. This debate would not exist if people understood the gospel. Yeah. Because we would stop judging people based on what they do. And we would we would we would not accept people based on their preferences and their actions. We would accept people, okay, is there faith in Jesus Christ? Mm. You know, and can you see repentance? Can you see the fruit of the Spirit? And again, if you can't see the fruit of the Spirit, the goal is to evangelize the gospel, not to nitpick them and close them down and decry them as unholy beings. That may be true, but I'm not the judge. God's the judge. So in another person's sinfulness, I'm trying to show them there's rest in Jesus Christ if you'll believe in him, rather than, hey, if you'll conform these seven habits, then you'll be good. See, that's, that's where this like second degree of separation, gray area issue, 
guilt by association all start to overlap is the criteria is often not the gospel. Right. So, yeah, because there, there is a level to where it's like, hey, you can't be a member of the church if you're an unbeliever. Mm-hmm. However, you can be a member of the church and not understand the gospel as well as somebody else in the, the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think that, that when, when you're, if you're condemning somebody for being friends with somebody else, you're already prematurely attributing wrong motives. Because what if you're friends with that person because you want to be influential in their life? Yes. Like, that's a great motive Agreed. to be friends with that person. Yeah. You, as you know, you're, if you're not affirming wrong beliefs or you're not refer, yeah, if you're not affirming anything that's heretical, you know, you're not, you know, you're not leading him on, then you're actually doing him a service by being his friend. Yep. We're called to like love the we're, we're called to like lead people to Christ. And how are you going to do that if you don't become friends with them or get yeah. to know them or have a relationship with them and, yeah. Right. Yeah. Jesus, when he said you're not to love the world, he's not saying you're not to be friends with people in the world. Right. He he's talking about you're not to love the things that the world loves. Right. There should be some kind of the Holy Spirit should have renewed you at some level to where your goals are different from the world's. Right. Yes. So even a, even an unbeliever may only be friends with you for what you can give the unbeliever. I'm not friends with you for that worldly reason. I'm friends with you because you're a human being who God's put in my life and I'm going to be loyal to you and love you. Amen. Yeah. So, all right, boy, this, yeah, see, it's a long discussion and there's a lot that can be said. I'm sure we opened some can of worms. I'm sure we offended some people. Um, You know, again, there's a part of me that doesn't like this discussion anymore because it's just like, Honestly, it's really an issue. I think it's fair to say our doors are open if there's questions and or, you know, if clarification is needed on, on anything. And I think we're, I, you know, confession times, we're always still learning. Yeah. We want to grow. Yeah. We want to become more like Christ. Yeah. We don't have all the right answers. But at the same time, it's like, um, you know, um, you know, both sides should be able to listen and grow. Yep. Right. And as I've studied Matthew and John and Acts, uh, God's not walking around with a clipboard, nitpicking people for what they do. Mm-hmm. The people that He does that with are the religious fundamentalists who did do that, mm-hmm. and I think He does that to show them you don't even live up to your own standards. Yep. So when He does do it, He tends to do it to hypocrites. He doesn't right. You think of the Samaritan woman; He does point out sin but he's not standing over there like nitpicking her either. He's actually trying to point her to Christ. And I think that's our goal. Point people to Christ, be gracious to people at some level that when you don't understand what somebody's doing, choose to give them the benefit of the doubt. That's choose good. to love them when you don't understand. Cause sometimes you see Christians do things from afar and you don't get to know the answer. So sometimes best is just choose to give them the benefit of the doubt, choose to believe the best, Trust their motives. Yes, they may be off, but guess what the Spirit's going to do? Correcting. That's the opposite of cancel culture, by the way. Yes. I think cancel culture doesn't doesn't even try to give anyone the benefit of that. They're just like, okay, you're participating, you're done, you're evil, you're wrong. I mean, yep. that's that's what politics, that's what politicians do. They yep. pit, they pit uh, you know, if, if you don't fall on my side on these issues, then you're automatically evil. It's like, well, the reason why politics can't, ever work together is because they can't actually sit and 
think through the issues in a mature way. It's very shallow. If you think about the way they talk across the aisle, it's very shallow. Uh, there are very few good politicians that are able to actually sit down and meet at a table and actually you know, hammer out good ideas. Right. Well, not publicly. They probably do behind the scenes, by the way. That's fair, right? Yeah. 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 See, look yeah. at you giving them the benefit of the doubt. I'm I just know. here like assuming. I'm well, assuming the wrong thing. You know, here, so. I mean, yeah. There's <laughs> Politics is weird. The game, the rules they play by is is weird. Nobody... Yeah, no, nobody in real life. You can't, you can't make life work and play by the politic rules. Right. All right. Do we need to say anything else? I'm sure we do. But if anybody wants to sit down and talk about this, I'm always open. Yep. But I will. I probably will challenge most of the time when people bring something to me. The scenario they set up is like it's like yes, in the scenario you set up, but don't let scenarios be how you create your standards. Mm-hmm. Let the Bible create the standards. I think that's that's the other problem, is people, they use the scenario like it's scripture. Mm. The scenario is not scripture. You have to peel back the motives and the actions. So I guess that's probably the best way to end this. What was our goal? Our goal was to always operate, is to, to encourage you, always operate the clear conscience, but make sure your conscience is biblically informed. And then when it comes to serving other people's, other people's, other people mm-hmm. love them, prefer them. However, don't be afraid to challenge them to grow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Amen. All right. It's good. Good. All right. Is that it? Uh, it is for me. Over and out. Yep. Over and out. <laughs> uh, we'll do some closing music and then uh, let you get on with your day. <laughs>